this morning. Going to talk the last of this series of five messages called Table of Grace. We've been talking about grace and what it means and how it expresses itself in our life as a believer of Jesus. So this morning I just wanted to talk about the Table of Grace. And the Table of Grace means the Lord's Supper. means the Eucharist. It means coming to the table. And there's something mystical about the just the unbelievable love of christ that we experience in a unique way when we come to the table we're going to do that in a few moments today there's a story that i've been intrigued with for years mephibosheth in the book of samuel say that with me mephibosheth you said that's easy for you to say say it again mephibosheth isn't that a great name why don't any of you name your kids that (laughs) yeah really but it is a good name. It's the loving kindness of God. It's the mercy of Christ that gets displayed at the table every time. In chapter 8, when you are reading here in the story of Samuel, you see that he's a conquering leader, and then it, 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 David is, and then he moves into chapter 9, and, and it just kind of like sits out there. All of a sudden, there's this kindness just explodes off the text of Scripture. The kindness of God. He's a, a warrior. He's a king. And here he becomes kind because of a promise, an oath that he'd made his best friend, Jonathan. I love this story. Here it is. The grandson of King Saul is still alive that he finds out. And he's got to pay honor to this guy. And yet, when we think about David, the first thing when you go, King David, I think about a man after God's own heart. That's the right answer. And some people think, David, I think about David and, well, that wasn't a story, but that's a good one. David and Goliath, and you think, yes, the warrior boy. And some of you, you know, go ahead and say it. David and, shame on you. All you come forward now and repent, you sinners. See, it's like, I have a lot of white shirts in my closet. I don't, I don't wear a lot of white up here because white just washes me out more than I am now. But, but there's one thing about a white shirt. A white shirt, I love a nice, pressed, starched white shirt. It just looks presidential, if you will. I thought I'd throw that in there. I don't know why. And it's just clean. I I love the business attire of a nice white shirt. But I've noticed this about a white shirt. When you go to lunch, us men, we tuck our ties. If we Like I wear a lot of ties, but I do sometimes. I tuck it in. But there's something about when you wear a white shirt, when you get a speck, when you get something on it, what, what do you notice? Do you notice that beautiful white shirt? All day everybody's going, hey, boy, you know you got something on your shirt. And you already knew you had something. It's like the other day I went to the dermatologist, and he, he froze my head. <laughs> That's what's wrong with me. And he had these pre-skin cancers. And he, he does that with his canister, and he zip. Zip. The other day, I don't know if he was having a bad day or what. He goes, Zzzz. and I, oh yeah, and I lit up. And if that wasn't enough, then he decided to come back for another one. So I've been paranoid all week, walking around, everybody going, Pastor, you got a boo boo on your head. That'll happen this morning when I walk out front. You know, when I bend down low, and they're just they're so concerned about my boo boo. Okay, so here it is. What is it about? We we noticed. The, the sin in people. But what I want us to start looking at is the grace of God operational in the people of faith. Would that be you? Well, good. That was a good answer. Somebody said, hopefully, y'all, I want you to say yes. And some of you are going, could I get included this morning? You could. But here it is. The, the, the boy 
Mephibosheth? Would he be executed or would he be exalted? Because of this oath, because of this promise, Mephibosheth gets not executed because all the people of the king and another king and then another king comes in, you go ahead and execute them because they could be a rightful heir or they would come to the throne and you didn't want anybody to mess with your kingdom. But there was this one. There's this little crippled boy named Mephibosheth. And he was the grandson of King Saul. And he had gotten dropped by a nurse when he was five years old. And he became lame in his feet. And he had to be carried around the rest of his life. And you read about this little crippled boy. And every time I read about him, I just get excited because I think about, man, that's all. That's you and me. We're all crippled. We're lame. We've experienced the fall of man, the, the, the sin nature that we're born with. And we fall short. We're basically just messed up without it. We're helpless and we need Christ. But here's what I like about it. David seeks out to see if there's any that are alive in the lineage of, of Jonathan. And there is. He's Mephibosheth. And he goes after him. And I think it's a picture of God. God was looking. And when he, he found us and he saw us and he saw we were far from his son, Jesus Christ. And he pursued us and he went after us. And many of us heard the knock of Jesus and we responded but there could be some today that are listening or watching or, or you're just there and you, and you doubt and you're not sure and God's pursuing you. Do you believe God's pursuing you this morning? I do. I believe God pursues us every single day. I'm so glad. I mean, when I think about when Christ first started pursuing me that I actually woke up to it. But here's this prince, if you will. His name's Mephibosheth. And uh, he's, you know, he's, he's had kind of a tough start. I mean, you know, he's, he's born into, with dignitaries, and he's in, got special status, special family. But he, uh, but he gets dropped. Did y'all see that video this week about the mom and, and the changing table? And she turned her back. And the little boy, I don't know what he did. He just kind of catapulted. And he, and he went, must have had a cat in his house. I don't know. And he jumped over there. And he caught that little baby right before the head or the neck got twisted or broke. I mean, it, they would not have shown it had that happened. But it, yeah, but it was a great story, and this little kid, well, here it is. In this day, that boy wasn't there to catch Mephibosheth, and he just got dropped. And so he had a, a less than life. But, man, there's a great ending to this story. And basically, if you look there at 2 Samuel, if you want to open your Bibles, you want to, uh, like your device that you already own, look on your device. Hey, quit doing grocery shopping. Quit watching football. Listen, listen. Okay. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. And you see this wonderful thing here. And see, 16 years has passed now since David has made this covenant with Jonathan, his best friend. But David, i just get you to write in the, in the margin. David was a man of his word. David had made an oath. He made a promise. I still remember the day that my dad told me that as a kid. And he told me that all my life. Growing up in a non-Christian home, I remember my dad said, let your word be your bond. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then as he came to faith in Christ, wow, it even got better. But I still remember that life lesson that my word meant something. And if I told somebody I needed to back it up, have we gone a long way from that as a culture? When we tell somebody we're going to do it, we, tell, we, we borrow money for somebody, we tell them we're going to pay them back, let's pay them back, let's do whatever it is. But here in 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel chapter 9, Look there in the text, chapter 9. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. Now, that's a great name. Not Simba, it's Ziba, okay? 
They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba, your servant? He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And Ziba answered the king. Wait a minute, I just lost my place. That has never happened. There it is. I got it now. Thank you. This print got a little smaller all of a sudden. I looked down, and I could not find it. And I thought, this is embarrassing. I know the story, but I'm going to read it. There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. And Ziba answered, he is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay his honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Look at verse 7. I want you to underline it right now if you have a Bible. Don't be afraid. And David said to him, For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And Mephibosheth bowed down and he said, what is your servant that he should notice a dead dog like me? And then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and to his family, and you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring him in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons. And 20 servants. That's a lot of people to feed. I'm glad they're not coming for Thanksgiving. And then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And he was crippled in both feet. A little crippled boy. But boy, this crippled boy is probably the most famous crippled boy that I've ever read about because God favored this little boy that grew up to be a man. And so you read there in Samuel and you see, but, and, and he comes to him and he's, he's terrified. He's stunned. He's afraid because he's in the presence of royalty. He's in the presence of the king. Surely his life will be taken. And he's thinking, man, hadn't life already been cruel enough? And now... You literally want to take my life? And he goes, no, I'm not going to take your life. And basically, I would just see, I see the marvelous grace of God. It's poured out on little Mephibosheth in such an awesome way. It's just the, the loving, kindness, tender mercy of God, how God pours out his love in a lavish manner to you and me. I love the way the Lord loves us. So look at the first point, Mephibosheth's condition. That's the first point of this outline today. It's just the condition of Mephibosheth that he's alone, he's in a tough place, he's crippled, he's poor, he's miserable, he's wretched, he's unworthy of the attention of King David, and yet he finds himself favored by the king because of the relationship that the king had with his dad. Mephibosheth. You know what the word means? It means shameful. A lot of times you look at the meaning of words and names and people live up their names or whatever, but this name, that's why I wouldn't encourage you to ever name your kid Mephibosheth. Like, Mephibosheth, you're shameful. Maybe your kid does shameful things, but that's not what we're saying. In Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says, we are all as unclean things. And, 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 and Isaiah goes through about how wretched and how simple we are and woe is me. But here he is, Mephibosheth. He's really, I want you to listen. 
In this culture, Mephibosheth is the king's enemy because he could take place for the throne. He could rule. He was, he was Saul's uh, grandson. But no, he doesn't need to be feared. And, and it's like he, I guess he's been hiding out. People have been taking care of him all these years. And finally, they, they find him and they bring him into the king. And, you know, I've often wondered what was the emotions there. But God, what I love about Romans and all through Scripture, God pursues God goes looking for those that are lost or those that are unredeemed that God can reconcile sinners to himself you know that's the story of gospel God reconciles you and me sinful separated to him holy God has anybody done anything shameful this week hold your hand up wait a minute hold them up if you did something shameful this week and the rest of you I'm like You've deceived yourselves, you have. No, we've all done some shameful things. I mean, we, we have this sin nature, but we've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit when we're in Christ. And, and God wants to change us, and he wants to make us new. So here it is. So God creates us, and this lame, crippled guy, Mephibosheth, I just see this story here. He's down at Lodabar, and Lodabar basically means, it's, this is what's interesting. It means the place of no bread. And Jesus said one day, I am the bread of life. It's always amazing all the contrast you see in Scripture. And Jesus will say this, and then he comes in. So here he is down there with no bread, and he comes to the place of abundant bread at the table of the king. Do you think they ate good in the king's palace? Yeah, it was Thanksgiving every day. You know, I got to thinking the other day. My mind just does this sometimes. Uh, I got to think about President Obama when he leaves the White House. And I thought, I wonder what he's going to miss most. You know where I thought he's going to miss his personal chef and the, and the cooks and what they do. I mean, can you imagine having somebody on your staff? <laughs> Don't even have a staff. Can you imagine having somebody in your house and they go, and what is it that you would like to eat if now? <laughs> and you just dream up something and it appears. I mean, golly, that would be fun. It ain't going to happen, so let's keep going. Okay. It's kind of like Thanksgiving, though. I mean, didn't Thanksgiving like just really... You know, I mean, I know where it came from. I was like, where, who dreamed that up? I know. But the way we've made it as Westerners, hadn't we just made uh, Thanksgiving a gorge feast? Okay, well, all right, go eat your lettuce then. Okay, so here it is. So he was called here. And I like it. It says David, in, in one translation, it says he went and got him. But one said, David sought Mephibosheth, and he fetched him to the palace. Now, when did you go fetch somebody lately? Well, my dog fetches sticks and bones. But he went and brought him. He went and got this boy. And, you know, and, and that's what God's done for us. God has gone to get us. He's gone to the ends of the earth. He's given a son that he might buy us back, that he might redeem us, that he might have fellowship with us through the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. So I love this. And it's a sovereign choice. It's a personal call. It's this irresistible that God was knocking. He was pursuing Mephibosheth. I, I just don't want you to blow through this first point, Mephibosheth's condition, because his condition is he's pretty, pretty lost. He's not pretty lost. He's very lost. He's concerned. And then you think about where Jesus says, follow me. Come to me if you're heavy burden laden jesus we want to come to you today and this is what i see in mephibosheth but he falls on his face before the king he's already a little lame boy so i'm thinking wow that's gonna be kind of tough and he just kind of falls over he's so humbled he's so in an awe 
And, and I'm thinking that's what it should be when we come in this sanctuary, in this living room. We should be in the presence of Christ that we come early to take our seat. We come early to prepare our heart. We come early to open our heart and say, Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, and reveal yourself to me this morning. Some of you do that. Some of you are like, man, I'm doing good just to get here. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I'm just saying, it just might be a fault as we're coming into this season of all the services and events we'll do. Lord Jesus, help me to be there early because I want to be prepared when you come. I want to receive. Um, you, you remember that every time Billy Graham had a concert, or concert, every time he, <laughs> that would have been interesting. Every time he had a crusade, they would always sing at the end. And I still remember as a kid walking over to TV, just as I am without Okay, we're going to become a Baptist church for about five minutes. No, I'm not singing. I sang last week. I'll sing in another 10 years. It's probably not going to happen, okay? I got so many ugly emails this week, I'm just not going to sing anymore. Ah, my feelings were hurt. No, nobody sent me an email. You didn't even care. Okay, here you go. Mephibosheth, receive for the sake of another. Look at 2 Samuel 9, 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show the kindness of Jehovah. For Jonathan, for the father's sake, and restore all the land of Saul, the father, that they shall always eat bread continually at my table. I love that man. Just says, you know, I love you, Mephibosheth, but I loved your dad so much. We were, we were pals. We were buds. We hung out, and your dad knows a lot about me, and I knew about your dad. But I'm going to grace you because that's the thing to do. And what God does for us. And Titus, write down this text, Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, and listen to gospel, okay? Just let this permeate your heart this morning. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that... The kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which have, we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration, by the renewal of the Holy Ghost, which he has shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And God justifies you and me through the blood of Jesus, the blood that we'll participate in this morning as we dip the bread into the cup. It pleases God to look on his son and then to pardon us. You know, today is really a pardon. Christ pardons us at the table by his amazing love. And he gives us eternal life in Christ. He gives us the highest possible honor. And under the king's table, I, I'd never thought about it till this week as I was studying. They would they'd be at the table, and he was sitting at the king's table. And you think about it. At this table, Mephibosheth was sitting, and there was tablecloths and things. And those little lame legs and feet were always covered. So people that didn't know his story, they'd just come in, and they'd see him sitting there with the other sons of King David, and Wow. And I, and I want you to just get a picture this morning. When you walk to the side tables and you receive communion, I want you to walk over there going, you know what? I am lame. I am crippled without Christ. 
And somehow, by the grace of God, God covers me. He covers my crippledness. He covers my sin. He covers my wickedness, but he covers me. Is that good news, church? Do you f- you're saying, I'm walking to that table proud, and God is lucky to have me. I want to move out of the way because you might be smoke. I'm going to that table broken. I'm going to that table because I've been rescued by the blood of Jesus. And so under the king's table, those covered feet, look at it. So his condition, I forgot to give you the point too, I'm sorry. Uh, Mephibosheth's call, God had called him. So I'm just so excited about preaching this story that I forgot my second point. But that's okay, isn't it? You know, you just got to alliterate it here. So here it is. Condition, call, third, Mephibosheth's communion. Because he has communion with King David. Because King David's yes was yes. Because King David honored his word. He showed kindness without hesitation. He sent for Mephibosheth to come to his palace. And he did. And I, I, I see it. It says, do not be afraid. Do not fear. And I'm going back to this. But I just got to tell you, we blow through the story. I know Mephibosheth. He was stunned. I mean... If some dignitary invited you to their table, would you be stunned? Okay. Maybe, well, let me know whose table you're going to. Maybe I could go with you. That'd be fun. I think Mephibosheth just becomes amazed, humbled. And here's the theme of Thanksgiving. Grateful. I think gratitude welled up in a little lame boy's heart. Because God had not forgotten Mephibosheth. God hadn't forgotten you. Some of you this morning feel feel like maybe God's forgotten you. When you're in Christ, you walk in the company of the Father. You're allowed to speak freely to Him. You're able to rest under His protection. He's for you. This morning, visiting with Josh, and I walked into the room, it was real dark, and I was afraid he was asleep. He's just sitting there, he said, man, I'm not really sleeping. Hungry, can't eat, you know, whatever. But just, just, just gentleness, and I'm just thinking, man, he's, he's in the protection of God. God's watching over him. God's got this. I'm like, God, please heal my friend Josh. Make him whole, Lord Jesus. Lord, make us whole. That, that's a physical healing, but I'm saying, God, do a spiritual thing for us. And here it is, Zeba, the one that had gone out to get him. I think he despised Mephibosheth. Because Mephibosheth comes in and he gets provided for in a lavish manner and he gets all these goods and the king is taking care of him. The king pays him attention. I mean, uh, Mephibosheth, I bet, I bet Mephibosheth, think about this. I bet he waited by the window. I bet he waited for the king's return when he would come back because he loved David. I just thought of this. I wish I thought earlier I would have put up a picture that's one of my most precious but I don't have it. But in my mind, I, and my wife's going to see it when I see it. My granddaughter, when she was little, she did just what my girls did. In our house today, I have a home study, and I'm thankful for that. And, and it sits right there off the driveway as people pull in. And, and I remember one day I pulled in, and there was this little girl. And she's standing there looking for pop. Oh, man, it made me happy. And I remember when my little girls were little and they would wait for dad. They couldn't wait for dad to get home. Some of you just went, oh, that was sweet. I used to do that. I used to say, dad, you got any money? Okay, but, but here's the deal. And I didn't. Okay. But the thing is, here is Mephibosheth. And I bet he waited for an audience with David. 
And I'm wondering, you see where I'm going with this, don't you? Are you waiting for the king? Have you waited? And he's waiting for you every morning when you awaken and you open your eyes and you start your day. Or is there a place, a time that you run in to commune with God? There it is, the condition, the call, the communion. But then I want to show you the covenant. He has a covenant, and all this is done, but all this goodness, all this kindness is shared for one reason, because there's a covenant, and covenants matter. Can you say that? Covenants matter. Covenant. Say it again. They matter to God. Marriage covenants matter. Business covenants matter. And faith covenants matter to the Father. In 2 Samuel 21, 7, But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. I just wrote here in this application. Look in red. I put it in red. It's not words of Jesus, but I wanted you to see it, okay? Is there in this house of worship any like Mephibosheth, any wretched, poor, fallen, shameful, helpless sinner who needs mercy? If there is. Come throw yourself down at the feet of the King Jesus and cry for mercy. This morning, I pray by the time we get to the table, you're just saying, Jesus, worthy are you. Have mercy on me. Let our hearts be filled with you because of your promises, because of how good you are. Lord, that you cover me with your grace this morning. That, Lord, you adopt me into your family. Romans says he grafts us in. He makes us his. I I love adoption. Adoption is not man's idea. Adoption is God's spiritual idea. And this tablecloth of grace, this grace that just comes to unworthy people that he just lavishes, that he just pours out. Lord, this table, when you come to the table today, it's a place of connection. You connect with him. You connect with Abba. You connect with Christ. As you trust in Christ, Christ fills you. And this morning, Lord, I want people, I ask you, Lord, make us fully alive that when we come to the table, this is a table of awakening. It's a table of grace. It's a table of newness. One of the most important spiritual disciplines that I know of is the discipline of table fellowship when we come to the table of grace i would even go to the natural there is something about the table when we come together when i'm looking at i'm talking today about mephibosheth and i'm talking about his great relationship that that he had there with david but i'm thinking about this when you sit around with your family this week isn't it awesome you're going well it would be awesome if that aunt or that uncle wouldn't come no no be ugly repent this morning For the most part, isn't it great when you sit around the table and you tell stories and you eat great food and you share life and you're just thankful? And that's what I think happens at the table of fellowship, that God calls us there, a table of blessing, a place that God invites the least of these. You know, one time the parable, when he goes out and he invites the people and nobody comes and he says, well, go out to the highways and the byways and invite all to come. There's plenty Oh, that's what it is at the table of grace. Jesus invites every person to the table. I mean, he's inviting those people that aren't even religious. They're far from Christ. Oh, matter of fact, he's crazy about them. So this morning, we're going to pro- proclaim the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus when we go to the table. And the church said, that's what we're doing, man. This is hope-filled, hope-inspired because of what Christ has done. I, I read this story. I'm getting ready to kind of wrap this up, but I want you to hear this. I love Max Lucado. I, I will quote him. And I did a few weeks ago, and then I'll go six months to a year and not. 
But i got to share this because I just I love the story. We Need Grace by Max Locato. On a November evening, Victoria Rubio, a 44-year-old New Yorker, was driving to her, her home on Long Island, and she had just attended her niece's recital and was ready for a couch, a warm fire, and relaxation. She doesn't remember seeing the silver Nissan approaching from the east. She remembers nothing out of the 18-year-old boy leaning out the window, holding, of all things, a frozen turkey. He threw it at the windshield. The 20-pound bird crashed through the glass, bent the steering wheel inward, and shattered her face like a dinner plate on concrete. The violent prank left her grappling for her life in the ICU. She survived, but only after doctors wired her jaw, affixed one eye by synthetic film, and bolted titanium plates to her cranium. I'm thinking, this is not a good Thanksgiving. She can't look in the mirror without a reminder of her hurt. Nine months after her disastrous November night, she stood face to face with a titanium bolted face with her offender in the court. Ryan Cushion was no longer the cocky, turkey-tossing kid in the Nissan. He was trembling, tearful, and apologetic. For New York City, he had come to symbolize a generation of kids out of control, and people packed the room to see him get his, or see justice issued. The judges sentenced and raised him, only six months behind bars, five years probation, some counseling, and public service. The courtroom erupted. Everyone objected. Everyone in that room objected except Victoria Rubio. The reduced sentence was her idea. The boy walked over and she embraced him in the full view of the judge and the crowd. She held him tight. She stroked his hair. He sobbed and she spoke. I forgive you. I want your life to be the best it can be. She allowed grace to shape her response. She goes, God gave me a second chance at life, and I passed it on, she says of, her, of this. And she goes, if I hadn't let go of the anger, I'd be consumed by this need for revenge. Forgiving him helps me to move on. Her mishap led to her mission volunteering with the county probation department. I'm trying to help others now she goes but i know for the rest of my life i'll be known as the turkey lady <laughs> listen to this this is only uh like max locato could write could have been worse but he could have thrown a ham i'd be miss piggy <laughs> now i love that story of redemption and grace and i'm glad y'all haven't thrown any frozen turkeys at cars <laughs> i mean that's horrible but we've done some pretty assaulting stuff to Jesus and to other people. So this morning, I'm just thinking, forgiven people forgive others. So grace seeks us where we're at. It brings us to the king's presence, and it keeps us for the return of Christ. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to invite you to come to the piano. There's an invitation to take communion. Man, there's a song of mercy that Chris will sing over us. Man, it's just a, a great song. But here it is today, man, we're going we're gonna to receive Holy Communion. We'll do this in about a month. Can you believe the next time we do communion, there'll be candlelight service in here on December 24th. But we do this intention mode. Learn all these modes when you're in seminary. And this is probably my favorite. I, I, I don't know. I just I love it. But you take the bread, the body of Christ. You dip it into the cup, being the blood of Christ. You put your hand under it. You dip and receive it and take the sacrament to the glory of Jesus Christ. 
And it's for all people that believe, all people that believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is your Savior, that Christ shed his blood to forgive your sin, that Christ rules in your heart as your Lord, your Master. If you're just willing to repent and say, Jesus, I need forgiveness, I come to remember you. Jesus says, come. So on both sides, right now I'm going to ask the Hartleys and I'm asking the Garths. They're both Hartleys. Mark, Carol, if y'all go to this side over here, Mark, this way, to your, yeah, and the Garths have already gone there. And can I just say this? I'm just going to embarrass her. Uh, Bethany, as she walks over there, I'm so proud of her. Bethany, at our board meeting this week, she was elected. She was, we have hired her now. We've transferred her from her position. She's the new executive director of Save a Life. Can you just put your hands together? I'm so proud of you. I love how she makes a difference for Christ. So, Bethany, forgive me. I know you're going, man, they're coming to see Jesus, and they're clapping for me. Well, we just love you, okay? So uh, put some money in her pocket when you go over there, and she'll be welcomed, okay? Actually, bring it to the life tree in December. Well, here it is. Man, communion. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to run you from the front and the back. I just want you to sit there, and when you get ready, then this side, it's pretty obvious, you go to that table with the Hartleys. And this side, you go over to the Gars. You go, I don't want to go to the Gars. Well, then go over and see the Hartleys, okay? But I just want you to meet with Jesus. Chris, man, you and the team, man, y'all just sing this song of hope over us. Hey, the altar's open. Let's receive communion together.